With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven while the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook. Just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A.com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala.com. and welcome back to the Axon Bulletin. It's Tuesday afternoon. Gents, we've had 48 hours or so to um, reflect, dissect, whatever you want to call it, on Sunday's performance at Hamden. Um, we won't be going for a treble this season. Hopefully, Celtic can get the double over the line. Um, Kevin, 
come to you in first for this one. Um, it was a disappointing result, but I kind of went into the game knowing that Sunday wasn't going to define our season, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, obviously, it's disappointing. You never want to lose any big game, a semi-final, especially not a Glasgow derby. But, you know, it's one of those ones, it's, it's the cliche, right? But at the start of the season, if you were offered the, the opportunity to be top of the league with five games to go and then the cup semi-final, you would have bitten someone's hand off to get it because the, the size of the rebuild that we had to do at the start of the season, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a realistic goal, I don't think, to be where we are. So, no, I don't think that game is going to define the season. I think we've had a few disappointing games already this season. If you look back to the first Glasgow derby, then the games, let's say, against Bodo Glimt and Hibs more recently, and every single time the team has shown good character, they bounced back in the next game and got the results. So I don't think I don't think Sunday's going to define us. I think we're going to be able to bounce back. Um, and like yourself, I think kind of confident that we can still see the see the league out from the position that we're in. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you on that one. That you know it wasn't going to define us, but we've shown that character character that's probably been questioned by large parts of the media, Lawrence, throughout the season, but Ange has been very clear that you know, ever since he walked in that door, the, the team has shown tremendous character. Um, even to go back to that, that first one on the road up at Pataudry, um the 2-1 the, the game up there, I thought that was a real changing point in our season, and um, we bounced back then. I think it was 33 games unbeaten, we went domestically before Sunday, you know, it's a phenomenal turnaround, Um for the, the position that we were in, Lawrence, to, to where, where we got to. And it's just about getting back to basics, I think, and Sunday looking forward to that game up in, in Dingwall against Ross County, which isn't going to be easy by any means, Stretch. No, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's a hard place for us to go. We, many minutes injury time, is it? Conte, is it an extra 20 minutes or something? 10, 15, 15 I mean, I've actually just been a whole section you know, extra time, I call it. I think they were just playing until we scored, weren't they? You, you know, uh, certainly a, a, a different... Uh, Refereeing perspective from the weekends, but look, I just said it, we didn't take our chances. Is it first game lost at Hamden since 2016 or something? No, it's yeah, I think so a normal team just... will be Ross County, um, because yeah. the, the Scottish Cup semi final that you know we get battered and, and lost in penalties, um, was again it was a draw in 90 minutes. So I think in that's the 90 minutes, Ross County the, the last team to beat is at Hamden in January 2016 under Ronnie. So, uh, you know, that's. It's another record that has unfortunately went with the defeat, but you know it's some record to have. You know, if you pick yourself up, go again. Ross County is a huge game. You win that one. You know, there's forty playing six ahead with a, a vastly superior goal difference. So I think it's just refocus. You know, we've spoke a few times how it's like the Janssen season. So you know, got the league cup there, uh, won that at Poundland. Yeah, and, and, and got the league that season, so hopefully it's the same. Yeah, and it's a season that every Celtic fan looks back on uh, fondly, Kevin, that Vim Janssen season in uh, 97-98, that you know, we've already got the League Cup in the bag yet. Yeah, the title's not done. Still a lot of football will be played. We are in the driving seat to go and hopefully um, win the championship. And again, you know, me and Lawrence has touched on this. You know, in Europe this season, I thought to an extent that we overachieved, overachieved in the, the sense that, you know, we played an Alkmaar side that, we're fairly decent, fairly settled compared to us. We got into the Europa League. So I think just kind of back to the point that you were saying there, Kevin, um, what you were talking about, that if you'd have offered us the position that we're in just now, 
at the start of the season anybody would have bit your hand off and it's just important even though Sunday was a sore one you know I left the, the stadium disappointed I'm sure anybody watching around the world was disappointed but it was a sore one but you just need to take it in the chin and move on to the next game because we've got no time to dwell on um, the defeat on Sunday Oh exactly yeah there's no time to dwell it's about taking it in perspective as you say you know start of the season uh, expectations were low for the season, it was just about, uh, you know, it was about winning the league. It was about getting ourselves back in a respectable position so that come January, February time, we would be in a position still to challenge. Um, we've, we have overachieved in the league in that sense that we're now top of the table. We've got, as Lawrence says, six point lead. I can't remember the goal difference off the top of my head, but it's virtually worth an extra point yeah. when you consider it. So we've kind of overachieved to get to this point. In Europe, I think as well, we did put up a good fight in Europe in the large part. You know, the games against Real Betis, I know Lawrence has spoken about this in previous podcasts, those were kind of turning points in the season for us when we realised that, you know, Ange was building something good here. There was something special coming. So, you know, Sunday's a very disappointing game. You never want to lose that. But I don't want to look at it in isolation as that one game. You know, look at it in the big picture. It's one defeat. We will bounce back. The big picture is we've got five more games left to play, five cup finals to win the league. And and that's what the focus has got to be on now. Yeah, the focus most definitely. Um, we'll turn to that. I'm sure that's, you know, that's the thought process within the Celtic camp. Certainly, you know, what we've heard from Callum McGregor and Ange after the game. We saw Callum bring the players into a kind of huddle at the end of the game just to try and regroup them. Um, Pablo 67 is coming in the comments today he hopes that George's Giacomacus is back for the, the trip to Dingwall um, that Celtic lacked physicality on Sunday McGregor needs help in the field to attack off the boil Lawrence I'll come to you on this point first um, we saw George's Giacomacus go off against St Johnston last weekend um, we, we found out during the week that he wasn't going to be available for the semi-final and just said that he hopes he will return for the, the, the running how important is George's Giacomacus to these next five games? And how important is it that Kyogo also gets game time? Because I just thought on Sunday, he looked like a player that hasn't played in four months, which is exactly the position he's in. I think it's getting at least one fit striker, isn't it? You know, whether it's Giacomacus or Kyogo, we need them fit. And Kyogo didn't look like that when he came on. He looked tired. He looked way off the pace. Understandable, he's been out a lot long time. Outside him, who's really going to play up front? I don't see a comeback from a Yeti, so yeah, we, we need to get him back sooner rather than later, don't we? Yeah, Kamakis. And I think on the wings, we suffered as Abad and, and Yota don't really do too much tracking back or to give us too much defensively, and that puts a bit more pressure on the midfield and the fullbacks. So, yeah, you know what? If we can get Yakamakis back, and I'd maybe be, be looking at Kyogo on one wing, Mayedo on the other, I think that was maybe Angie's. First choice three, because he said they tried to sign Mieda. That was his number one signing target, didn't get him yeah. to Christmas. That would uh, it'd be certainly a hard-working front three then. Uh, and all three of them, uh, you know, can score. So, listen, we win at Ross County. It's down to four games, 12 points, and we're six ahead. You know, as Kevin said, you've got much better goal difference. Yeah, The midfield's... It's not looked great, has it? You know, they, they didn't get a, a lot of freedom and a lot of decisions. I believe, you know, I mean, look at that one in Rogic where a boy's gate arms are right around him. It's a free kick against Rogic. It's 
So I, I don't think we're going to suffer such a, an inept refereeing performance as we saw the weekend. I think, you know, maybe Beaton coming in, playing Callum further forward. I thought Callum was great when he went further forward. Beaton's a bit more physical, isn't he? Uh, Turnbull get a, a few more minutes into it. So at least we've got options in midfield to change things, I think. Yeah, but yeah for me, we definitely just need one fit striker of Kyle Go and Yakamakis. Hopefully both can go up to speed, but we really miss kind of somebody leading the line probably. Yeah, we do. Um, there's a lot of good points in that, Lawrence. Um, Kevin, just to come at you, and one of the first points is, you know, we spoke about Jack Amakis and his importance, you know, second part of the season. Um, and Yokohama, and I think possibly when he was in Australia, did like to play with a big physical striker. Um, but, but with George's Jack Amakis in particular, maybe looking at fixtures like Livingston, where we maybe went for, would be matched him a wee bit more. Um, with Vito coming into the game, obviously he wasn't on the bench on on Sunday. Do you think that maybe looking at you know Glasgow Derby games or other games like Livingston in the league, you will see the manager start to pick players that maybe suit the fixture more than try to play their own game? Because I thought at times Celtic and Sunday just couldn't get into their own rhythm. Um, and in that midfield area, particularly with Lawrence's touch, you know Tom Rodgers at Ibrooks found himself in bags and bags of space. I thought Bassey absolutely marked him out of the game on Sunday. And at times, maybe when we're looking at these certain games, it might just be playing players that, that suit the fixture. Yeah, I think that's exactly how he's got to play these last few games. And the game that you mentioned, the Livingston away, was kind of the ideal example of that. Can I remember in right leads taking Juranovic out of the team and brought in Tony Ralston, which raised a few eyebrows because Juranovic had been playing so well beforehand. But Ralston was the ideal fullback for that particular game. And I think that is how Ange will pick his teams now going forward. He'll he'll have the core of the team that's going to kind of stay the same. And then there will be certain places, certain individuals who can rotate in and out depending on the game, depending on what we need from the game. And Beton being another prime example of that physical presence in the midfield who can come in and steady the ship. And he's actually been really good at that this season, which probably raised more eyebrows as well, considering his kind of previous uh, seasons. But he's he's been become pivotal, I think, for us now. Uh, he does provide that physical presence. He does allow McGregor to step forward a bit more. So I think we'll see that in games. That um, if not the starting, yeah, I would say the starting lineup will change uh, depending on opposition. Um, but then also we'll be making, I think, the, kind of the tactical subs just to to manage games through. Which again, now that we've got the five subs, I think Andrew's been pretty pretty good at doing that uh, since January. Um, so yeah, yeah, like I, I do, I think he will. He will just start to pick the team based on on the opponent. And I think a point I was going to mention there when uh, Lawrence is saying about just the need to have a fit striker. I think that's very important. We do need to have one, and it doesn't matter who it is, because we've got the players behind them now that we can change the way we play depending on who's up front. Whereas I think at the start of the season, because it was only Hugo was the option. We could only play one style of football. Now we've got the option of Jack and Marcus. We can mix it up a bit, and they can do that within games. So certainly there's more options now um, to change it around and to give opposition a bit more to think about. Yeah, you know, the, the manager has spoken about the rest of the team, given the, the forward players the platform to play. Obviously, <laughs> seven goals against Johnson. It's plenty of different goal scorers, but we're not just counting on one person to score our goals for us. But, you know, I think it is important, as you say, that we've got a target up there or somebody, you know, like Kyogo, where we, we play the ball in behind. It's been so effective when he's played for us this season. 
Um, Lawrence, just to kind of come back to the front three, I thought as well, you know, you spoke about the wingers there tracking back and coming in defending. I thought some finance Postico was did really, really well in previous weeks has been the rotations and switching the wingers. Did it at Ibrox, it really, really worked. Uh, but with Jota and Maeda and he switched them, that was something I, we didn't do on Sunday and I thought felt actually we missed that um, because as the game went even on, you saw Goldson become really, really comfortable on that big diagonal ball that he was playing to Tavernier just because you know that, that side was getting exposed and we didn't have that luxury of switching the wingers again. So I think that's something we've missed and possibly in the point that you were saying there, playing two wingers that's maybe interchangeable really does suit our system. Yeah, I, I don't think... You know, Jota or Abada can be described as the hardest working wingers there. You know, if you look at the work rate of Maeda, he probably would outwork both of them, wouldn't he, in terms of closing down. So I think we miss a lot when we're not pressing as quickly as we do. So, yeah, I would love to see Yakimakis, Keoghan and Maeda as a front three. Because I think, you know, that would be really hard working, great press. I think Yacht has probably been off it since his injury. You know, he's not been the same player he was before the turn of the year. Big games, is he really delivered? You know, he, he's a player that, you know, he's got a lot of flicks and tricks and a lot of show, but has he delivered in big games for us yet? I don't think he really has. So, something I wouldn't be too fussed about spending seven million on. I think Ange's uh, been getting better returning that for the money. So, front three, I think we've got to get it right. And it's just getting, you know, the players fit. Hopefully they are. The midfield's been a wee bit. Not too sure what's wrong with it, but you know, O'Reilly's been great since he came in. Maybe it's time to give Roger a rest. Start with O'Reilly, Callum further forward and near beat him. He's a defensive mid. Give that a try. Yeah. But listen, I suppose it's perspective. It's the first game we've lost since September. And it takes the extra time to do that. So, you know, they're allowed a bad game now and again. Yeah, yeah. after a few games. Sorry, Kevin, on you go. So I was just going to say, I think, I think that's the, the point that we've got to take away from the game is it's it's the perspective of it. It's one defeat in 33 games and it wasn't over 90 minutes. It was over 120. So, you know, yeah, you're allowed one bad game and we know that the, the, the core group of the team here is capable of picking it back up. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely capable of picking it back up. And, you know, looking at that midfield free, I, again, I think it's important that we're not just saying, oh, one defeat in 33 games, let's drop the whole midfield. It's, it's absolutely not what we're seeing here because I think if we went to Dingwall on Sunday and we stuck with the same midfield of McGregor, Hitati and Rogic, I still would think that Celtic would win the game. But it's just about, you know, getting other players up to speed. Um, I found this really interesting, guys. I had a wee look back at the subs. Obviously, it was, um, I think Rangers made six subs and Celtic also made six subs. But the six subs Celtic's made, um, made in the game all six of them haven't played a great deal of game time recently. I looked at the last five games. Apart from O'Reilly, um, was the only player over 200 minutes. The other guys coming close to him was James Forrest in 151 minutes. Ralston, 137 minutes. Kyogo with 16 minutes. Turnbull with 65 minutes. And Welsh with absolutely zero minutes in the last five games. So I found that even quite interesting to look at, whereas on contrast, Rangers... Scott Wright, 85 minutes. Scott Arfield, 173 minutes. 173 minutes, sorry. 
Uh, Steve Davis, 64 minutes. Glenn Kamara, 136 minutes. Leon Balligan, 185 minutes. And Fashion Sakala, 235 minutes. Kev, just to come to you on that point, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I was looking back at the game and that this Rangers team, you know, yeah, they played on Thursday night, they went all the way in extra time, but the, the squad has been rotating and guys have been playing football constantly for them. I think Conor Goldson actually said after the game that he felt a bit leggy on Sunday morning, but when he went out there, you know, the adrenaline and everything else, it probably actually suited him just to play a, a big game. If they're maybe playing a Motherwell or a Ross County, it might have been a bit leggy. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And maybe in these games, it's just about managing the, the squad that wee bit better. You know, we've got a great group of players here, but we need to probably get some guys you know, real game time. Um, and on Sunday, again, I thought we were forced into subs. I mean, if you look at the end of the game, We've got Stevie Welsh at right back, who's not featured for us in months, and then Fred Alston will at a version at left back. Yeah, I think that's actually a really interesting point, and I hadn't noticed it beforehand. But yeah, actually, the minutes of the guys that have come off the bench, apart from O'Reilly, has been you know few and far between, as you say, in the last five games, and it it will have an impact when they come into such a high pressure game. You can possibly get away with it if you're playing. Uh, <laughs> Ross County, <laughs> for an example, that you're coming in with the kind of less minutes uh, under your belt, but not in a big game like this. I think you do need to have those minutes. You need to be up to speed with everything that's going on. And I, I was thinking the same as you've just mentioned about Rangers. Actually, you know, had they been playing Ross County or Motherwell, then their focus won't be the same. And there's every chance that those heavy legs. Uh, you know, it gets into the mind and it plays on them and they have a poorer performance. When they're coming in to play against Celtic, they're fully focused in the game. Any little niggle, any heavy leg, it doesn't doesn't matter. You know, you just play through it. So, yeah, I don't think we actually gained an advantage by them playing the extra minutes. They had a lot riding on that game. And I think, I think probably when it comes down to it, they maybe just wanted it a bit more and they didn't let anything get into their heads as... Um, you know, maybe we did at some points. Boris, just to kind of touch on that, that point with you, what I was going through there, you know, that, that actually goes back five games for us to, to the Livingston game. That's why James Forrest's minutes are actually quite good on this. Um, whereas that Rangers game only goes back to the 20th of March, um, the game up at Dundee. So, you know, in terms of that games and whatever else, probably people were looking at the first evening and thinking, okay, the games went extra time. But just that kind of, maybe that wee adrenaline boost that they did, probably got from that getting through and also just the amount of time and the players are getting you know we spoke about how important it might have been for, for Ange to get players back in the, the, at Lennox Town training constantly but sometimes you know the, the amount of games actually might have suited some of these Celtic players but it's just about kind of trying to get game time into some players legs because I think the squad going forward here for the next these five games is going to be crucially important to us I think for Ange it's balance you know Getting the points is crucial. And he's not wanting to put that at risk, so like, he's kind of been, he's putting out his best team all the time. Going right, we need to get the points. We'll get the league sewn up as soon as possible. And five games to go, six clear, and a much better goal difference. It's not it's not making a bad first his first season, you know. So yeah, maybe some of the players could do a bit more minutes, but I think it's more important that you know the points are on the board, and, and that's what what he's done. He's went about ensuring it that way. If we beat Ross County, you, you, you know, you're only looking at to win two games and then you've won the league after that, two out of four. I can't see, you know, Celtic not winning the league. You know, it's bad day at Hamden. A few of the players are a wee bit off it. 
Yeah, we're, we're missing uh, Yakamakis, but he should hopefully be back for, for Ross County. Kogo got some minutes. You've got to say that's a bonus. He did look a bit yeah. leggy, but hopefully. Yeah, and that's, that's one that's not Angie's fault either. You know, it's an injury in Stevie Welsh as well. But where would they play? Because, you know, Starfield and Vickers have been literally undroppable for us. So, yeah. again, okay. I think there's a balance here. That's kind of what I'm saying is that although maybe some of the players haven't got as much game time as they have, you know, Turnbull, Kyogo and Welsh, you know, just they probably haven't been a space and have had their injury problems with them. And, and Taylor's probably been undroppable in his recent form. So I'm, I'm he has absolutely. His uh, his injury is not bad because it, it, it's who do you have for cover at left back? You know, is it switching Juranovic over then? Uh, and then playing that's if Juranovic's injury isn't bad. Bad, you know, it could be counting the cost on it. And the treatment table this week. Uh, so for me, yeah, if Taylor doesn't play, then Juranovic is your, your left back if he's fit, and then it's Tony Ralston, but. Again, you're leaving yourself a wee bit short at, at fullbacks, aren't you? So, yeah, listen, that we'll get some minutes. The players will get some minutes, but you know, we go out, take care of Ross County. I think that's the main focus. Just one game, game at a time, isn't it? And I yeah. don't think Andrew will be saying, right, I need to get minutes in the players' legs for the next coming four games. It will just get his best team in the park. Hopefully they get back to doing what they do well. You know, storm of a, a start and get two or three up in the first half, and and then it's easy. Then you can look maybe to the bench and say, right, let's get some minutes in when we're a three up or something. Yeah, and that's it. You know, he's picking the strongest eleven. You know, on Sunday, he obviously thought could win the game. I don't think anybody really changed anything. The start eleven that Ange actually picked. You know, he said after the game, Kevin. I don't think either team came off today without giving everything they had. Um, then he was asked about the fans' feelings. He says they've been fantastic all year. I'm sure they're all going home disappointed, as are the players, as are all of us. The important thing is we use that disappointment to fuel the rest of the season and finish it off in the right way. And again, that just comes back to everything we're talking about. The bigger picture, that there's five crucial games here to go in the league. Um, we've touched on their minutes and players, but I think what Lawrence's point is, and it's bang on, is about getting our strongest eleven out for these next five games and trying to seal the deal for a group of players that to me, you know, absolutely deserve this league championship and I really hope they can do it for themselves and for the manager and for the, the Celtic support. Yep, again, you know, you've got to agree with that. Um, but yeah, I think Lawrence is totally right. He's spot on with that. It, at the moment it is, and it has been for the last couple of months, it's been about winning the games and getting the points on the board. You would far rather have the points on the board than players having, you know... 100, 200 minutes more under their belt, but sitting in second place. So I think I think Andrew's he's managed the season very well for us so far. He's got us into a position where you know we are we're five games but three wins away from a title that we didn't expect to get at the start of the season. So you know I think as he says we've got to trust the process. The process has worked for us so far, game by game. I think he will now manage it you know, individually one game at a time to use that cliche as well. And the team that goes out will be the strongest available team for every game. Uh, if that team plays to its capabilities, then they'll win every game. There will be some difficult games among in that five, of course. But if that the first team plays as well as they can do, then they are you know, they are capable of winning the, the five remaining games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it would be nice 
to select that because as I say I, I think the team totally deserve it um, and we've played some absolutely fantastic football this season and, and as you say there Kev you know we look at it yeah we've probably maybe some players have we've played a wee bit too many minutes but it's been all about the points this season um, and a one-off game like that when you're maybe going into extra time yeah you've maybe not got the flexibility of the other team but I think I'd rather be in our position uh, that we are at this point you know leak up in the bag in the driving seat for the title than uh, just chasing one single trophy because uh, I don't think there are trophies one to be um, too, too sure about because I'd be Leipzig on a, a bad side. But I certainly think Celtic's in the driving force. I'd rather be in our position than any other position. And, exactly. um, and you know, and you I, know if, I think... if, if you were to lose one of the two remaining Glasgow derbies, which one would it have been? Yeah, it would have been the same final Scottish Cup. The, the, the league's the more important one. If we win against County, we could win the league potentially, or mm. but win the league against Rangers at, at Celtic Park in the next game. So that's the goal. That's our cup final, really. And it, it kind of always has been, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that point. And again, it's just, it's about, you know, looking at the game on Sunday, but the bigger picture is still in focus and it's that league championship in the bag. Um, Boris, you've mentioned them, we've spoken about them here for weeks, I think. Me, you and Patrick are quite big fans. Kevin, I don't know about your thoughts, but I think Greg Taylor, you know, thoroughly deserved his goal on Sunday. And he's, you know, he's been a really, really important player for Celtic. I'm, I felt actually quite sorry for him that that goal wasn't a winner because for his efforts this season, Lawrence, it would have been quite nice for him to get a, a Glasgow Derby winner. But hey-ho, we can maybe hope for the game at Celtic Park that he also sticks the ball at the back of the net in that one. Yeah, let's hope he's fit for it. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, Greg, you know, he always gives 100%. It's not the best left-back I've ever seen a Celtic shot, but you know what? He, he, he has had a cracking season for us. He's, what, 23? So he's still got room to develop. So, yeah, you know, he's a really important part of the best defence in Scotland, Greg, isn't he? And, you know, getting a goal, yeah, it would have been sweet if it had been the winner, but, you know, I'm sure uh, Greg will, once he gets his league championship medal, it'll all be forgotten about, won't it? It's like, Will we really care who won the Scottish Cup? I don't think so. But it'd be nice to do, you know, five travels in six years. But outside of that, it's, I suppose it's just different levels, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, Greg Kraken, we player. It's just the worry is if he's not fit, who do we have as backup? Because Juranovic could also be be injured as well. So it's kind of back to them skills. Yeah, skills are. are well, the weird thing is, remember, but on goal a game against Livingston, just out of nowhere then. Done all right. And Motherwell. And completely played against Motherwell too yeah. in October. Yeah. Then completely out of the picture. You're like, right, it didn't do too badly. So, but, but that's what they'd be looking at, isn't it? So you, we've got to hope that we can get those two fit for, for the weekend. Because you, you want to go to West County, put this weekend's result behind you. Three points closer to the league title. And everybody be happy again. Yeah, I actually wish that we had a, a midweek game in the SPFL this week because it would just be nice to just try and kick <laughs> on and get the good feel back to back. We need to wait on Sunday. It's a four-hour drive, but it's always good away to out. So, looking forward to that one. Paul Connems came in. We will come on to this later in the show. But it has been officially announced that VAR will be in use as of next season for Scottish football. Um, just looking here, SPL, SPFL clubs voted in favour of VAR. Um, this is from Raman Bardswar. 41 clubs voted yes. One club voted no. Um, so, we'll see that introduced second half of the season um, but we'll come on to that in the show because I think it's very very important to talk about that um, maybe links to the celebrity referee on Sunday but we'll, we'll come on to that later in the show um, Kevin just kind of overall in terms of the chances in the game um, 
Celtic created some really decent stuff, but I, I thought the real turning point after Greg Taylor got his goal was big Vickers um, shot off the crossbar. I think if that goes in, it's game over. It's two 0 I think it would be an absolutely, you know, monumental mountain to climb for Rangers. Had the they try to come back for that. What was your, your take on that one? Aye, if if that goes in, then that's game over. You know, I don't see Rangers coming back from two nothing down, and <coughs> excuse me, that's the point when the tired legs start to kick in for Rangers. At that point, you know, they're, they're two nil down. It's a mountain to climb. They're out the cup. Um, you could then easily foresee Celtic going on to hit, you know, three four goals, but. You know, it didn't happen. It shouldn't really have changed the course of the game that much, I don't think, because I don't think no. it was. I don't think it was that big of a miss that it was the one that's going to give Rangers a boost of confidence that they could get back in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he scores that, it's game over. I just think after that, you know, um, to get back in the point of Greg Taylor, I am a fan. I'm a very big fan of Greg Taylor. I think he's fantastic for us on the left, and he's um, he's kind of. He's been one of the the success stories of the season for me. The way that he's developed himself into that inverted fullback role and helps out in the midfield because we've noticed that in games when recently when Maeda's been on the left, the little triangles between Taylor, Hatate, Maeda have been fantastic and they've been pulling defenders all over the place and creating space for attacks. So uh, for me, I think yeah, he's been one of our kind of unsung heroes this season. Um, would love, would have loved for his goal to have been the winner, and then unfortunately, I think he's kind of at fault for the the first goal from Rangers, just kind of not getting out and closing down his man quickly enough for the cross. Um, but even at that point, you know, I still felt that we should have had enough within us to come back and and, and see the game through as it, as it went on, but. You know, you could see that heads went down. They did get a lift from it. But um, ultimately, as we've said, disappointing. But we move on. We go again for the game on Sunday. Yeah, that's it. Um, again, I thought really quickly after that, you know, in 75 minutes, Arfield and Davis came on for Rangers. And um, obviously, Arfield gets his goal. But I thought, you know, when Davis came on, the tempo of the game changed a bit. Rangers started to take a real foothold control of the game. And they just seem to manage it a wee bit more and want it a wee bit more. And I think yeah. they thought the warning signs were there before Taylor sold Lundstrom hit the post. There's a winning extra time that Hart saves from Tavernier. And then obviously, you know, I think it's actually an OG that the second goal. I know Sakala's claiming it, but it comes off big Starfield. Not his fault. Um, but there is the clip going around the James Forrest trying to track back with Bassey. And he's absolutely nowhere near him. Um, but as you say, Kevin, it's the one-off game it's ending 33 games unbeaten domestically. If you were probably to look at the, the two derby games and if you're really, you know, somebody held a gun at your head and asked you what women would you rather lose, you'd probably have said the semi-final because at the start of the season, I think a double would be under wildest teams to, to do it. Or just get the league over the line would probably be under wildest teams. So, yeah, um, Lawrence. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalised solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. 
Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Networks make it possible to share data from lots of places, like a bird sanctuary. Good eye. There is a typo. Thanks. But to make them powerful enough to deliver new opportunities at the edge, you need CDW and Aruba. CDW experts can help design and implement an Aruba Edge Services platform, which unifies, secures, and automates network environments everywhere, so you can translate data into innovation. Sorry, do you mind? This is confidential. Aruba makes visibility at the edge possible. CDW makes it powerful. Learn more at cdw.com slash Aruba. We can't talk about Sunday without mentioning the refereeing performance. I don't think, had it been a different referee, the outcome of Sunday would have been any different. I thought Celtic just weren't up for it at times and just weren't looking at the team that was going to take the chances. Um, and I thought, you know, we missed Jackie Marcus, beat on, bringing Kyogo and when he's not played a lot of football was unfortunate. But there's decisions in the game where, you know, Arrivo possibly could have seen red. Lundstrom escapes a foot, a booking. And then we get the referee filtering himself on Instagram, telling everybody to have a happy Easter. Um, but what was your take on Bobby Madden's refereeing performance on Sunday? I think it was either corrupt or inept. And, you know, it's I don't know what, what evidence you've got that would back either one up. But I mean, look at Lundstrom when he closes down Hart's kick out. It's yellow card. That's a directive. So you're not telling me he doesn't know the rule. The question is, why isn't he not applying it? Or, you know, Roger when Arebo gets hit, both hands around his waist and is pulling back for about seven seconds, and then the foul goes to Rangers. It, you know, it's things like that. You're going, the ref obviously knows the rules. He's just not applying them. You've got to go, well, what is it? Uh, you know, why is he choosing not to apply them? Is it the, the occasion's overcoming him and he's just momentarily forgotten them? Who knows? Is it something more sinister? But really, really poor performance. I mean, our midfield, any time they're getting any kind of tempo, it was a foul. If we got awarded a foul, then, you know, you've broken the tempo up again. It's just shocking to be mad. I mean, look, at even at the end, when Turnbull takes a quick free kick, it looks like there's a promise of attack, and then he calls it back and awards... That's the best one. That's the imaginary foul. Mm. Yeah, so you're kind of going, well, where in the laws is that, Bobby? <laughs> you know, it's just... It's crazy, uh, you know, but I suppose he's got form for having bad performances that you know, affect the game. And it, it doesn't need to be big decisions, just the small decisions, pulling things back, stopping, it's taking a quick advantage. There's one that Roger get filled in the, the right and he was away for the guy. Then he's, he's calling it back and you think, well, he's got away from him now. Why are you blowing now? He's... It just seemed to just refuse to apply fairly basic rules, didn't he? And why that is, whether he's, he's, he's not up to the job or, or something more sinister, you've got to draw your own conclusions. But you know, a lot of Celtic players were, you know, you know, they weren't at it, but I would say, you kind know, of, Roger especially got a lot of physical treatment, didn't get any room to play. You know, if Arable or Bassi gets booked or Lundstrom gets booked earlier, they can't make the, the further tackles and then expect, expect to stay on the park. So, yeah, it's... I think he definitely had an influence in the game. That being said, you know, Cameron Carter-Vickers scores it. It's happy days, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's, just a, it's just a really shocking performance for me. I, I think what holds Scottish football back is there's no communication from the refs. as they listen, talk us through his decisions. Why didn't you apply the yellow card? You know, it's just the silence. We don't need to speak to the, the paying public. Or maybe even the perception of Rangers fans refereeing a Rangers-Celtic game. Should that be allowed? Well, 
there's a perceived bias there, whether it's it's there or not. People are going to think, well, Rangers fans probably going to be biased towards Rangers. Kevin, I even thought, you know, if you're a neutral watching a game and just to, as an actual product looking at the refereeing performance, I think people would have been, you know, gobsmacked at some of the decisions in that one that Lawrence is talking about. The one that be, I think it's an extra time, it's a big switch, and it's the imaginary foul that comes out of nowhere. I just didn't get it. And, um, you know, at times I thought like, some challenges go early on because I think if you maybe book player too early in the game, you're going to be dishing out a, a handful of yellow cards. But, you know, to me, it's all about consistency, and I don't think there was any consistency in Madden's refereeing decisions uh, on Sunday at all. Yeah, I think consistency is the word. That's all you want, you know, from the, the referee. They're the two things you want consistency, and then you want him not to take centre stage. And mm-hmm. I think when you've got Bobby Madden in charge, he always wants to be centre stage, yeah. one way or the other. Um, I'm I'm not sure if he's a corrupt referee or if he's just inept. He is one or the other, but it doesn't matter which one he is. He's just he's not good enough <laughs> to to referee at this level. I don't think he doesn't. Uh, you know, you talk about say a, a manager game management in a game and seeing a game out well. It's the same for the referee. He's got to be able to manage the game. And I don't think Madden's got that about him to control and manage such a big game. Um, and yeah, some of the decisions that he, you know, that he gives, they're baffling. You know, as you say, the, the ghost fouls that aren't there, uh, the ones that Lawrence points out as well. And I think these are the key ones, kind of the little small decisions that just break up the play. You're on the attack and you'll, you'll call back instead of giving the advantage. You're, it breaks the momentum. It gives Rangers time to get back and reorganise. So you really don't want that. You want the referee just to be kind of a sideshow in the game who lets it who lets it flow, but will then penalise a foul when it's there. Um, that said, and as Lawrence also pointed out, if Cartavickers scores, we go two nothing up, and it doesn't matter how bad the referee is, we would have won the game. So you know we we can make. As many sort of comments as we like about the ref, we, if we take our chances, we win the game, and it doesn't matter how poorly the ref officiates it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you in that one. You know, I don't think whether it was a different referee on Sunday, I don't think that the actual outcome of the game would have been any different. I think we would have still lost the game, but there was decisions in the game. Um, Celtic made up with a bit better football, um, just with you know, as Lawrence already touched on, maybe that midfield area, but we had the chances in the game, as you say, didn't take them. And we were beat fair and square, and, and that's it. But I thought it was a very poor refereeing performance, which ties in with VAR. Um, Lawrence, I've already touched on that's it now being voted through. We're going to see it after the World Cup. Um, even with its introduction, referees in Scotland are still going to be part time and it's still going to be the same people operating them. You've saw the job advertisements for them, etc. etc. I think a lot of people would actually prefer the referees to be trained properly and know the rules of the game rather than have a technology which they may or may not use because the fills that we're maybe chatting about in the game, it's up to the referee for that, him to actually go and look at them. VAR won't stop maybe those wee niggly fills that he doesn't want to give or let the made-up fill that we saw on Sunday. So how much do you think VAR could actually change refereeing in Scotland or will it just be... You know, same as usual, just a, an inability to read the rules and a, a bad lack of consistency in the refereeing. Well, so you, you've got VAR at the weekend. You're maybe looking for offside the, the second goal. You're looking for a penalty when it appears the ball is 
hand is in the box when the, the ball strikes it. Outside of that, would any of the other decisions come down to far? But, you know, I, I don't think so. So I, I think you need communications from the ref, whether it's, I think VAR's, you know, it's a step in the right direction, but while they refuse to communicate their reasons for making decisions, you know, what did you see there that goes free kick? Probably, well, why was that free kick? You know, when they get away without uh, any kind of inspection or their decisions or having to justify them, just going, you know, I'll just make whatever decision I want and don't need, don't need to justify it to anybody. I don't think it's good for the sport, you know. It's certainly interesting listening if it was to come on and, and justify why or why didn't you book him? That's a yellow card by the rules of the game. Why did you decide not to give it? You know, he's on six fouls, you've still not booked him. What's going through your mind here? Uh, you know, and the, the ghost one was just it was just crazy, wasn't it? Because when you see it, he starts to run and follow the ball, and then it looks like Celtic might, you know, have a couple of attacking possibilities with three minutes to go, and he calls it back and free kick the other way, you're like, it's just crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, Kevin, even again, I think the timing of this is very, very weird. It's going to be halfway through a season, which, you know, t- to me, if we're going to start using VAR, great, but surely start using it in you know late July, August time. Don't wait until then, because for some of the clubs, this is going to be a sliding scale if we just purely talk about the finances of this. I think the top end clubs that's around sixteen percent of the bill they're going to be paying right down to about six percent. For some smaller clubs, it's a lot of money. It could be one player. It's wages. Um, you know, I've spoken about the top six. My dislike for it. I, I think you know splitting the league in half and all that stuff. Yeah, you saw the importance of it to Motherwell a few weeks ago. But half of a season with results and stuff, you, you could see you know the impact of it in a positive way for some clubs post-World uh, Cup in Qatar, but you could also see poor refereeing in Scotland cost clubs possibly towards the end of the season that top six finish. So, so what's your take on that? Would you be more in favour of starting that either at the start of the season or just waiting the whole way through until next summer to get it used? Because to me, I would rather it's in place for a full season because you're going to get poor calls before its introduction. Yep. I think it's bizarre that you're going to introduce it halfway through the season, to be honest. Um, if you're going to introduce something like VAR, which is basically akin to a rule change in the game, you would do it from the start of the season and you would give the officials as much time as they need and as much training as they need to get up to speed to actually use the the technology so they can fully implement it. If you're introducing it halfway through the season, as you, you point out there, you've got half a season where you're still going to be analysing every single decision you're still going to have the back pages of the press going, oh, if VAR was in place now, then, uh, you know, Furuhashi's uh, bootlace was offside against Hearts, so that goal shouldn't count. And then that plays in the minds of the officials for the next time uh, there's an incident like that after VAR comes in, I think. And, you know, I just, I feel it's going to, it could overly influence refereeing decisions and how they interpret VAR and how it's used. So if it's like brought in halfway through the season. So now I think it has to come in at the start of the season. Um, there has to be proper guidelines on how it's used on the type of decision or the type of incident that it's used on. Uh, and there needs to be, you know, a lot of training given to the referees for it. We've actually got VAR in place over here in Hungary. It's in the top flight in the NB1. And I think it's been in for, I'm going to say this is the second season that we've had it. 
Um, and the introduction's been pretty good, to be fair, you know. Um, but what they did here was they, they did take the referees away, um, kind of at all levels, and gave them basically a, a summer of training just on how to use VAR. The initial introduction and implementation of it was a bit slow and clunky. Decisions were be taking five minutes to to be to be reached because of the novelty of it all. But it's sped up, um, and it, it, it has. We have seen a number of correct calls now being made because VAR is in place. Uh, so it's definitely got its use and its merit. But then it is, how do you use it? And here it's really for contentious um, penalties or offsides. Nothing else is is really uh, analysed in VAR. So I, I don't know how they would want to bring it in in Scotland if it's going to be on uh, sort of other in-game fouls and actions. But certainly here, and I think the way it has to be done, it's just on those kind of clear and obvious goal-scoring, goal-preventing uh, actions within a game. Yeah, I I'm also a bit unsure whether it's going to um, take account for goalie technology. Obviously, something that we don't have in Scotland at all. Whether that's going to be, be part of this package, because I would find it very strange if we go straight into the, the, the video analysis, but but skip that out because again, you know, it's an important part of the kind of modern football package. It's there, um, and you see it used to great effect with English Premier League or Bundesliga, or whatever goalie technology. Um, Supposedly, the SFA have started uh, training up referees to use the system. Um, at least six cameras will be installed at every stadium and trials are underway at youth matches. So the annual cost is going to be around $1.2 million. It's going to be covered by the clubs on a sliding scale of 6% to 16% based on prior year league position. Um, Lawrence, you know, what, what Kevin said, I think it's a really, really important point about how this is actually going to be used because... The first season that was used in the, the Premier League in England, it was an absolute shambles. Um, you saw very bizarre decisions, you know. Kevin's touch on there, a shoelace, a fingernail, whatever, offside, um, stuff like that. I think there really needs to be clear guidance um, for the referees and even for us as fans to understand the way this is going to work here. Because as, as I say, I've touched on goaling technology. I don't know whether that's going to be introduced alone with the VAR or were they just going to count on that? What, what, what's your take on all those kind of points on clear guidance with this introduction of it halfway through the season? Yeah, listen, I, I'm with you that I'd rather that it was in at the beginning of the season, but I think, you know, get, I, I would still accept it kind of halfway through to get it in, if that's as quick as they can do it. With the training, I don't know why we're not partnering up with other football associations. Possibly people have it, who have a VAR room that decisions get referred to. So you could pick, I don't know. Italy, France, Holland, whoever refer your decisions, England. What do you think? Maybe take away some of the allegations of bias. You know, those are the guys that's getting getting referred to. Hopefully, they'll communicate. You know, why they're making the decisions. And it won't just be you know, yeah, it's offside, and or why they're not making it. But the refs themselves, if it's just left to them to call it, hopefully it's somebody that sides that's calling it because you generally, you know, the TV is that good that you know if the decision's wrong, don't you? So hopefully, somebody mm-hmm. can. Let the ref and say, look, you really need to look at something here. There's, it's either wrong, definitely wrong, or there, there's definitely a bit of Dubai about it. So we need to kind of stop and refer to VAR. But, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. It's speak to other associations, find out how they, they've done it. Share some capacity with them, keep keep the price of it down. I don't know, maybe we could, the first season could be paid out the cinch money that Rangers won't be due as the, you know, they've refused to engage with the sponsor. So we could maybe look, maybe look at doing that. 
But yeah, it, it should be easy for us to implement. And you'd think they're taking goal line technology as well, just get all in as, a, as the one package. It's not like we're the first country that's going to do any of this. So there's experienced people out there and implement the systems and operating it. You just want to speak to them and, and find out how best to do it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly for those coming in the conversation, getting barred up in the big scenes in the grounds. I'm actually hard, probably quite hard pushed to say, apart from Celtic Park, Ibrooks and Eastern Road, what other stadiums in the top flight of Scotland have big screens in their stadiums? There's going to be another issue. I mean, you can picture the scene at some like Tannadice with somebody wheeling in a big telly to sit in the corner um, for the VAR decisions to happen. So, you know, I, again, I think that's going to be all about communications because it would be unfair for, you know, the, the so-called bigger clubs. I'm talking about those three there because I don't even think Hearts have got a big scene at Tynecastle. Um, to have that advantage of the referee going over, well, not the referee advantage, obviously they've got their own wee screen, but the, the advantage that the, the stadium, because again, I think that can sway decisions. If a referee's about 50-50 and it's, it's battered up in the big screen and he's, you know, touch and go and you've got everybody on your, your, your back, I think again, so to me that there's a lot, real bad knock-on effect, I think, for some of the, the, the smaller clubs here, because if that's going to be the case also, that Celtic Rangers and Hibs um, if anybody can think of another team with a big screen please do tell me um, because I can't think of any Celtic Rangers and Hibs maybe had that advantage um, it would be unfair and I, again Kevin to come to you on this one I, I think a sponsor would be really really important for the league to, to try and get a hold of you know Scottish football as it is as a package to me is undersold at this current point in time um, and I think with the VAR when it does come in, you know, it will affect clubs in terms of their budget. It's maybe going to be a player that's wages or whatever. I think a sponsor would be a really good idea for this. Yeah, I think so. I think that's something that they've got to look at. Um, Scotland and Scottish football just is it's criminally under-marketed and under-commercialised, I think, in, in the sense that we just don't do enough to promote the game. And it shows with the broadcasting deals that we get and the sponsorship deals. Then, you know, there are countries and other countries in Europe that have kind of similar sized populations, probably lesser leagues than Scotland, but get better commercial deals than us. So I think as a game, it's something that needs to be looked at. Um, and I think, yeah, uh, um, the SFA should fund VAR if it's coming in, or the SPFL should fund VAR if it's coming in, not the member clubs. Um, because as you say, for the smaller teams with smaller budgets, the, it seems like a small percentage or six percent of the cost, but that is, as you say, it's maybe wages for a player for the season or two players, which could have a serious impact on how they're actually able to perform on the pitch. Uh, and they've got no guarantee that VAR's going to work out in their favour either. So, yeah, if it's not the authorities that pay for it, uh, it would be very helpful if they could go out and try and get a sponsor that could actually you know, cover some of that cost. Yeah, just to come back to this point, um. Sometimes they do show the clip. I know that has been the case before. They have showed the actual clip for the stadium to see as well. So, you know, again, I think that I'm 
talking about you know for some of the smaller clubs I just don't think it's fair to have a disadvantage for them but again it's all going to come down to money whether they can afford to, to go out and get big screens or whatever else um, for their, their fan base even though maybe a place like the Tony Macaroni that's not very well inhabited in a usual match they would be, be shelling out maybe a kind of you know, you know those tellies you used to get at school that come in in the, the rollers I think maybe <laughs> they would be the better idea to, to get set up you could just do it along the, the main stand there Um Looking forward to Sunday. It's going to be a difficult test. Obviously, we we played Rose County fairly recently, beat them four 0 and they've been one of the most informed teams in the league. We know players like Charles Cook, Hungbo. There's players that can hurt uh, any team in the league. But Callum McGregor said after the game, Lawrence says it's just important that we don't get too downbeat and let everything fall apart from one result. We'll learn from it, and we have to show what we're about next week. That's the biggest game of the season, so we have to go there and win. Um, I'm sure the players, you know, what in the return to Lennox Town this week have got that laser focus back. Looking forward to Sunday. Um, do you see Ange changing it at all? I know we've spoken about the, the front three, the midfield three. I'd still be very confident that the team that started, if we needed to, at Hamden on Sunday could go to Dingwall and get the victory. But would you change anything drastically for the game on Sunday? Listen, we could be a bit without Cameron Carter-Vickers, Juranovic and Taylor. You know, depending on how bad those injuries are. So it's going to depend on, yeah, who's going to be fit, isn't it? Uh, with the change, and maybe start a rail instead of Rogic, uh, put Beater on, uh, give Hatati a rest and push McGregor further forward. If Yakimakis is fit, I think he's straight back in because uh, Q looked way off the pace and, you know, he's been out for a long time, so I'm not surprised he looked off it. But, and, yeah, maybe you ought to for. Kyle will go on the wing then uh, but yeah it's, it's the, I mean, obviously losing the semi-final is bad but if we end up losing three or four players for next week it's it's going to be worse isn't it so it, it really is of, uh, hopefully we'll get some news from Celtic Park saying look this is the state of the injuries from the weekend we're expecting everyone to be fit or, or telling us who's fit and I suppose we could pick our team from there Kevin, any, any dramatic changes for you? Or would you, you know, hopefully GG is back fit. Um, we'll see what the update is and the, the guys that we lost to injury on Sunday. But again, you know, I wouldn't change anything too dramatically. I, I wouldn't be surprised maybe to see David Turnbull maybe coming to the side. Matt O'Reilly's obviously an option there too. Um, if Beaton's back and again up top, I think if GG's possibly fit, you might see him start. But again, Kyogo is now an option. And he's came on and he's got game team into his legs but what's your take on what the manager might go with on Sunday yeah I think uh, I think a lot of it does depend on kind of the injuries that Lawrence has mentioned as well that you know if you've got Juranovic Taylor Carter Vickers all fit they all play um, otherwise you need to look at changing the back line but if they're fit you know that back line picks itself I think I think you do have to maybe look at middle to front as being where he might make some changes. But I don't think there's any need to, like, there's definitely not any need to panic. There's no need for any knee-jerk reactions. And I don't think Angie's going to make changes just because we lost the semi-final. I think if there's changes to the team, it will be, as we've kind of spoken about before, it's going to be um, geared towards winning this game against Ross County. He'll be putting out a side that he thinks is the best available to win the game. I would probably like to see Beaton come back in as well, if he's fit, if he's available, because of that physical presence in the midfield. 
Uh, Dingwall's not an easy place to go. And I think you need someone like that in these games. Uh, even a James McCarthy on the bench, even. You know, just someone that's got a bit more experience in there in the midfield that also frees McGregor up to be a bit more offensive. If Jack Amakis is fit, then, yeah, I'd get him back in the team because, again, that physical presence up front uh, is something that we've kind of relied on and maybe missed at the weekend. But I don't think there's any need for kind of wholesale changes unless they're forced upon us by injury. Um, I'm I'm just hopeful as well that we can go there, put on a, a Celtic-level performance, maybe get a couple of goals up by half-time, and then if you've got the five subs, bring the, the likes of Hyogo on if he doesn't start, bring Turnbull on if he doesn't start, and give them maybe not the full half, but certainly like a half an hour, 20 minutes, good minutes under their belt in the second half. Um, but I, I've also noticed, sorry, <laughs> that uh, Chris Julian is starting today in the Glasgow Cup game in the semi-final for the B team. So I'm wondering if maybe he's been brought into the team for that game to get minutes under his belt for the weekend as well, if maybe Carter Vickers' injury is going to keep him out. Julian scored the other week against Motherwell in the bounce game that I yet got a hat trick in, didn't he? As well. So he's been getting some minutes, but he's been out for yeah. so long, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of first team football. He has been. Like, I wouldn't bring him in uh, unless Carter Vickers is missing, but it might be that that's a thing to do. you start ahead of Welsh? Oh, that's the other one. Probably not, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I do like Welsh. I think he was probably at fault for the second goal right enough. I think he was too slow to cover back in the space, although he did have a bit of a two-on-one against him. But I like Welsh. I like Welsh. If he's if he's fit as well, then yeah, get him in ahead of, uh, ahead of Julian. Mm. No, I think in that one, boys, I think Welsh is... You know, he's played his part this season, especially early on um, in the European games as well, obviously. He's going against Betis and stuff. And I think he's been an important squad player for Ange. He's obviously been somebody that's been consistent on the bench. He's, he's there as an option. Whereas Julian, you know, I, I don't really know what's going to happen with this situation. That is interesting, Kevin, just to have a look at it there, that he does play. Um, but, you know, whether that means anything or not, we, we shall no. see at the weekend. But, you know, to we me... Just, if it was we just a... don't know what stage he's at yet in his no. comeback. You know, Lawrence is right. He's, he's played a few bounce games, but they don't... You know, they don't mean the same as a competitive match. So we've no idea kind of mentally where he's at. Yeah, and you know, I think it would be, you know, a real slap in the face to Stephen Wells as somebody that's been, you know, a consistent option. The manager praised him a couple of weeks ago um, to, to do that. But it is interesting to see him start on that, that bounce game. Um, that is behind closed doors. I'm not too sure if you can watch it, but um, hey ho. Um, Lawrence, you and I were at the, the the game last week just before we wrap up. What, what, what was your takeaway from it? Um, you know, it was one uh, my first Celtic B game of the season. Um, it was easier for me to get along to Celtic Park. I went with fellow Axon contributor David Slate along to the game. Um, what, what was your take on it? It was quite nice to be at Celtic Park. It's always nice to be at Celtic Park. Um, but you know, I, I thought as an actual spectacle, it wasn't the best game of football. Um, but it was good to have a look at some of the. The prospects that we've got. Well, listen, it was a, a decent turnout uh, in terms of fans for it. Uh, as I said, it wasn't wasn't the best watch. I, I thought Dembele could have done better. You know, first half, he was leaving a left back really exposed. The amount of times he was two and one was just criminal. Uh, 
I suppose as much as that Rangers trains their chances, we didn't. Kenny looked okay up front. Val mm-hmm. looked okay, but nothing super inspiring. You, you wouldn't have said Andy's chap in a, the door for the first team. No, no, I wouldn't either. Um, that was probably my biggest takeaway from it as well. But Ben says he said they got on. Just to kind of to close on this one, um, Sean Maloney, former Celtic player, you know, we touched Lawrence the, the day that when uh, Jim Goodwin went to Pataudry, um Scott Brown obviously left Aberdeen at that point in time. But what's your takeaway from this one, Kevin? Because I'm kind of a bit bemused that four months in the job, surely Ron Gordon knew what he was getting with a, you know, and quotation marks project manager Maloney you know it wasn't going to be a quick fix they lost Martin Boyle in January for a good few million quid they've not replaced him two strikers have been out injured what was the point in hiring him what was the point in letting Jack Ross go if they were only going to have him four months in the job Hi, it's a, it's another baffling one for me I think you know if you're hiring someone like Sean Maloney who's got uh, quite a good reputation as being a young ambitious innovative coach who's spent time with Roberto Martinez at Belgium, who's wanting to bring in new styles and new methods to the team, you know it's a long-term project. Um, I, I can't understand why they would let him go after just four months. He's not had any time at all to implement whatever his methods are that he wanted to, to kind of impose on the team. It seems baffling. And as he say, you know, they lost Martin Boyle, so that's the best player gone. No chance to, to replace him yet. Uh, very, very strange. Typical Scottish football, though, I think. As soon as you, you know, someone from outside the circle comes in with new ideas, they don't get any time at all to, to implement them. Uh, certainly, you know, smaller teams. So, I bit strange. If you, you say, if you're appointing Maloney with his reputation, it's a long-term project, not a, a four-month quick fix. Lawrence, what was your take on this one? You know, I'm totally agreeing with Kev. I was just I didn't get it and I actually thought Hibs at the weekend against Hearts um, were pretty decent in that second half and you know we're unlucky probably not to get ourselves back into the game but results ultimately have let them down um, they got a point off us uh, of course and I actually thought they played fairly decent at Celtic Park in a 2-0 defeat but that, that's Maloney gone now who do you see possibly going to Easter Road because I think this is Again, I saw Jim Spence tweet and said, I think sometimes the uh, owners and CEOs should sack themselves rather than the manager. Listen, if they don't have somebody lined up, I think David Gray's the interim. What's the point of sacking now? You know, take a bit of perspective in this. He's had one transfer window with that. They've mm. sold his best player. He's a horrendous luck with injuries to his, to his forwards. What did they expect? You know, you got to go to a Scottish Cup semi. That's... Is it because he didn't get top six? Well, it appeared it's because he lost the hearts. It was the the catalyst for him going in, in the Scottish Cup semi, but they weren't terrible there. He, he has a bad luck. And four months isn't a, isn't a long time. I thought they'd uh, at least given him you know, another transfer window, maybe see how they are around about Christmas. I don't know what Hibs are expecting from their managers. What were they expecting them to do in, the, in four months? They obviously weren't happy with Jack Ross or where the team was going. They have arguably weakened the team by selling their best players. Did they expect that to lead to improvement? You know, in such a short period of time, I think that'd be unrealistic. I thought it deserved more of a chance. But listen, Kevin's right, he's got a good reputation. I'm sure he'll get his chance elsewhere. I don't think anyone looking from outside of Hibs at that and saying, well, four months they sold his best player and they had terrible work with injuries. I don't think that's going to be the end of his management career. I think he'll get a chance again. 
Um, I'd be interested to see whether even maybe looks back up with Roberto Martinez um, further down the line um, because as you say I think they're certainly more to come from, from Sean Maloney and whether this will be a learning curve for himself and that maybe football management and what he fancies maybe a better number two but we'll see what happens on that one thank you to everyone for, for joining us this afternoon and the comments are always very welcome if you have been watching please do like the video and subscribe to the channel plenty of content coming over the next coming few weeks and we'll be here all week for the build-up to the biggie against Ross County. It's going to be an absolutely massive game on Sunday up in Dingwall. Um, but thanks again to Lawrence Conley and Kevin McCluskey all the way from Hungary. Thanks to everyone for joining us. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.